Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. advice from old pro turkey hunters like this the turkeys typically don't like i think more times than not to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning especially after he gets up it's a blinding thing it, it it's just like you it's hard for you to see into the sun mm-hmm. so if i have a choice i'm going to try to make it so that i'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 446, a season recap and turkey talk with Donald Devereaux Jarrett. And I am your co-host... And the guy who has been whacking some songbirds with his shotgun in Arkansas. <laughs> no. Just going full send. All right, I like it. I'm the ghost and the guy who's broken out the Fox Pro. Yes, you have. I've seen some pictures. I've seen a social media post on the gram. Oh, yeah. The, the gram, baby. Mm-hmm. No, no TikTok dances here. We're on the gram. Yes, sir. But yeah, the broke out the old Fox Pro and did some coon calling. My brother and I went down to his farm and we were able to call up six coons within an hour on six sets. So that's pretty solid. Yes, it is. Yeah, we had a, it was, let's see, we got a single, a single, nothing. A double, which was my first ever double, 
had a raccoon come in from the right and one on the left at the same time, and they like stopped, growled at each other, and then started both running away. So I shot both of them. <laughs> and then nothing the next set. And then the final set, a coon came down the tree. He shot it like within 10 seconds of turning the collar on. And I was like, man, let's just sit here for a second and see what happens. So I changed sounds to a different coon distress sound. And after two minutes, another raccoon ran in and he got him. So we had two doubles and two singles and two zeros out of six sets. So it was a heck of a heck of a morning for an hour hunting. Yeah, that's a pretty good hour. Yeah, six raccoons. And it was a lot of fun. He That was the first time my brother Thomas has gone with me. So he was like mind blown you know that first time that in midday daylight that a raccoon comes sprinting in on the ground it's kind of a weird feeling (laughs) (laughs) it just looks wrong (laughs) i would imagine most people have never been charged by a raccoon before so so it's it's gotta be a shocking experience yeah 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 but anyway it was awesome so we we did that and that makes, I've called up nine, because I've gone twice. I got three the first time, and then six with him. So we've got nine so far this summer. I'm probably going to try to go a couple more times. It's just been, you know, really busy. A lot of family stuff and everything, the 4th of July, and activities always seem to be high in the summer. So it's been hard to get out. But nine yeah. more coons, you know, that's not bad. That puts, I don't know how many raccoons that is. Let me look. That that puts me at uh, 130 raccoons removed since February of last year. Very cool. Yeah, 130. So that's that's several raccoons. If you stacked 130 raccoons, that's a lot of mouths. Yes, it is. So I don't know, but pretty good fun. You need to start cleaning them and grinding that meat up, making you some coon burgers. Yeah, coon burgers. Coon sliders. That'd be yeah. better. There you go. There you go. I, I've heard raccoons not bad. I haven't personally consumed any, but I have heard it's not a bad meat. It's I guarantee you one thing. If apocalypse happens and I need to eat something, pretty confident in my ability to get raccoons off our property. There you go. <laughs> Plenty no of doubt. meat. No doubt. Well, cool. Do you want to offer an explanation for No. Okay. I just want to say I'm jokingly and lovingly picking on two listeners to the show. And for those two listeners, I just have to say thank you for listening and thank you for reaching out. And we do hear you. That doesn't mean I won't pick on you, but we do hear you. So I I really and truly am the guy who thinks he's wiped out the chipmunk population on his one acre lot that his house sits on. Man, you need to figure out a Fox Pro chipmunk call. Get those, get those problem monks to come running in. Now, that would be a lot of fun. Heck, yeah. You know, or maybe, you know, go Pied Piper mode where you can play your flute and get them to chase you around. You can lead them all in to drown. <laughs> yeah, I could do that. So, yeah, I've, I've only gotten one monk in the past 10 days, something, wow. something like that, 10 or 12 days. And that's, I mean, like a drastic drop off. So... Yeah, that's pretty good. That's Uh, pretty good. I have an announcement. Oh, man. Let me hear it. So, Turkeys for Tomorrow, the Two Rivers chapter, which is the first Tennessee chapter that I'm a part of, is having our first event in August. So, we will be having an event 
on August 19th. I'm making sure I get all, all the details correct. In Jackson, Tennessee, August 19th at Hub City Brewery. Hub City Brewery. We have a cornhole tournament, gun raffle, hourly giveaways, food, drinks, turkey talking. Ron Jolly will be there, possibly Preston Pittman. And it's going to start about 5 o'clock. Come on anytime after 5 to this event, and you will get to hang out. I mean, we, we just wanted our first event to be a chance for anyone interested in either being a Turkeys for Tomorrow member or who is already a Turkeys for Tomorrow member or who just wants to help turkeys. We're just having a big social event. Come hang out, play some cornhole, eat, hang out, have a good time, meet the group, and we're just going to do that. Just a, a chance for turkey hunters to gather on August 19th. Very cool. That will definitely be a good time. Yes. I want to make that announcement, and then I'm going to go ahead and pull this to the front of the episode. I'm going to give you the favor of the week right now. All right. Also, Turkeys for Tomorrow related, and I think this is pretty interesting how they do this, but they have a survey right now that you can go take. So it's the 2023 Turkeys for Tomorrow survey. So if you go to turkeysfortomorrow.org, then you're going to go and click in the, the little three lines or whatever to the About Us part. Click 2023 survey, and then take that survey. So it's just a good survey of turkey hunters. They ask several questions. They've done it for three years in a row now, gathering data. That's favor of the week. Go to turkeysfortomorrow.org, about us, 2023 survey, and take the survey. Favor of the week, right here in the intro. You heard it here first. Very cool. So, so there we yeah, go. I'll, I'll have to go and check that out. I've not seen the survey, so I'll have to go and check that out and take a few minutes to do my part. Yeah, I mean, it. I wouldn't even say a few minutes. It's 30 seconds, you know. Put in your name and answer, I don't know, it's like six or seven questions, something easy, and, and you're done. But it is good. It's a good gauge every year, you know, to see what people are seeing, what they heard this past spring, and what just the general public's thoughts are about the turkey population and how they're hunted. So go check that out. Yeah, and while we're talking about turkey organizations, if you guys have not gotten your, I guess it's the July, yeah, the July newsletter from the NWTF, you'll want to check that out. But there's some oh, some initiatives going on to try to work on habitat for broods and nesting and so on and so forth that the NWTF is working on. So you can go on Google and you can just search new initiative to combat turkey declines in southeast yeah i saw that they're they're doing a big big investment there yeah yeah so you know that's we've said it before on the show cameron and i both feel this way it's never a bad thing to have two organizations that are trying to help wild turkeys and you know we need to do our part to definitely support one and if you want to support two by all means do that. But there's no lack of opportunities for us to get involved. And if we cannot donate money because, hey, things are still tight out there. You know, I get it. Um, My business is not what it was two years ago, not what it was four years ago. But if we cannot donate money, we can donate time. And Cameron is just 
talked about a way that he's donating time as well. And I know there'll be some money thrown in there by Cameron just because I know Cameron. But, you know, get involved, whether it's cash or time in one or both of the organizations, the NWTF or Turkeys for Tomorrow. And let's give back to the birds that we love so much. So, absolutely, we've done a lot of our post-show talking (laughs) free interview. Yeah. Outro will be short this week. We we went ahead and just launched it before the interview. But, hey, we had a lot to talk about. We've been gone for two weeks. I know it. I know. And we've gotten a little feedback on that, too. And everybody loves it. All we can say is just bear with us through the summer. I think you will love the spring. Yes. Yes. It's going to we have one banked already that you're going to love. So, yeah. Worse. Yes. I I would confidently say this coming spring and pre-spring will be very good content, and we hopefully won't miss any weeks like we did this spring. So that's what we're trying to correct. But we, for those who listen in the summer, you got a great show today. Yeah, with you do. Mr. DDJ Donald <laughs> Devereaux Jarrett. And he's been on the show. Is this his second or third time to join us on the show? I believe this is his third time to join us. Yeah, I think you're right. The first time maybe we did a review of his book. Second time was a Merriam's Turkeys topic. And this time's just a hodgepodge of everything. Yes, it is. But awesome guest. And I mean, very knowledgeable, especially of Merriam's Turkeys and Plains type habitat, I would say, and hybrids, you know, guest. and. Really just a great guy. I hope I get to hunt with him one day. Yeah. We're going to have to make that happen. Yeah, we need to try to get a trip booked with him. Yeah, I think we should. I think we definitely should. But until then, why don't we let these folks hop in here and listen to Donald Devereaux Jarrett talk turkey with us. Let's do it. See you guys on the other side. Hey, everybody. Cameron and I are glad to tell you we have on the phone with us today Donald Devereaux Jarrett. And for those of you who haven't heard Donald Devereaux Jarrett on this show before, or as I will refer to him as we go throughout the show, DJ, because he said I could, (laughs) then you need to know that DJ is an author and a turkey hunter extraordinaire, but also a turkey guide. And from what I hear, not even through the grapevine, it's through the horse's from the horse's mouth. DJ's been laid up with a little shoulder surgery. So you you doing okay? Yeah, yep, doing fine. Just just a slow recovery. They they found a lot of damage in there and had surgery June second. So I actually had physical therapy this morning, but uh, I'll be doing that for a while. It looks like. Yeah. Too Is many this... years of the Magnum 12 gauge going off on that shoulder. No, man, it's throwing those 25-pound turkeys over my show. They pull that thing up. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. That's what I thought. Those two, those two together. Of course, like somebody else killed them. I was just toting them out. Yeah, the flunky. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah, it. I just, uh, actually, I did it back in October. I was throwing some tires up on a truck with my son, and uh, uh, I heard something pop. I was throwing them like a Frisbee, like I was 25, you know. And uh, I said, uh-oh, that didn't, that didn't feel good, and. Of course, you got to go through the man thing, go through two or three weeks of, oh, it'll be all right, it'll get better, and yeah, it wasn't getting any better till they made it better, so mm-hmm. I'll get there, though. Man, 
Yeah, shoulder surgery is tough. That's a that's a long recovery. So you hang in there. You you're a oh, month in almost. So you making yeah, tracks. I'm getting there. I'm I had the choice. I could have done it in uh, March, but uh, I, I couldn't have done it in March because no. that would have screwed up turkey season all the way around. So I said, "We'll just put it off." So yeah, yeah. I can uh, I can they, see that decision being a pretty easy one. Uh, <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was. Yeah, good deal. So speaking of season, how was it? It was fantastic. Uh, and I, you know, as, as I get a little older and think about that that very question, which I get asked just about every year, I guess. Um, it would be hard pressed for me to ever say it was a terrible season. I mean, uh, there's so much uh, joy in it. There's so much of a blessing just to be a part of it. It's not all about the kill anymore. I mean, I, I sure uh, I still love to do it, but uh, it doesn't get any better than that. It just doesn't. It never gets old. So we had had a great season. I left here late March, went hunted Texas before went up to South Dakota. Did did well there. And uh, but nice. I, I have to tell you, I have to tell you this before I start on South Dakota. <laughs> I, I, I made a rookie mistake. Y'all love this. I, I, I called a bird in. I got a bird to gobble. And he didn't gobble again for 35, 40 minutes. Where is it? Joker doing. So I gobbled. I uh, called again and he gobbled right by. So I went ahead and turned. I said, he's coming in the back door. Sure enough, I saw him coming. saw his beard swinging, you know. He stopped and looked in my direction. He wasn't 15 yards. Came in behind this, this tree line we were on, some mesquite and cactus and whatnot. When he stopped, all I could see was his neck and his head, which was all I needed, and I shot. And then a bird flew, and I'm like, gosh, I can't believe this. Already starting the season off on the bad note, you know. And I, I, I went ahead and stood up in case I had hit him. I've had him do that before, fly up, and just come back down and crash. So mm-hmm. I went to check, and I saw this bird running, and he still was, you know, he might have been 30 yards at that point. And right when I shot, he darted to the left, and I said, well, that was a miss for sure. But I went here and stepped on through there to, to look. And I uh, looked down behind that cactus patch, and there's the bird that I had shot, the first bird. So there were two <laughs> of them. I didn't realize. But uh, so I go over there, go back to him, and he's laying there just stone cold, you know. Well, let me go ahead and get him. As I was reaching down to grab his scaly leg, my mind was going, no, 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 no. But I did it anyway. Mm-hmm. And then he went to flopping, and he sunk that one-inch needle spur all the way to his leg in my in my hand and went spinning and of course I had a glove on so he was just tightening it up you know Mm -hmm. I I couldn't get my hand off of him so I straddled him and told my nephew who was hunting with me I said come and get the bird off me he said how I said unscrew it (laughs) so he he went back the other way with the bird got it out of there man I had had a big old gash and wound blood pouring you know and uh so I went and got some stuff cleaned it up with and filled it up with super glue I was good as Nick so anyway then I went to South Dakota (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. But I yeah. Better. <laughs> I'm well. I'm sitting here looking at a nice scar between my thumb and index finger that the last bird I killed this year left me with. So I got a little yeah. remembrance from him. Oh yeah, me too. Got a got a battle scar that'll be there from now on. It was a good one. So yeah, yeah congratulations. How'd you get yours? <laughs> well, he was an interesting hunt to be honest. It was it was about 92 degrees the second to last day of season and mm-hmm. i was hunting a state that cuts off at noon and i got him to gobble at about 11 30 mm-hmm. and he gobbled and he was only like 70 yards from me when he gobbled i was actually sitting down because i could see a hen and mm-hmm. had seen a gobbler in the area the day before so i figured he'd be there and i hit it and he gobbled once 
And I'd been calling a while, and he hadn't done anything, and then he finally hit it right there at like 60, 70 yards, and the gobble sounded like it was over in the tree line just a little bit, and all these crows just started going nuts and dive-bombing this giant oak tree. And Uh I was like, well, heck, he's standing under that oak tree. Like, they can see him. Yep. So I had 20 minutes before the cutoff time, so I decided I didn't want to leave it up to him to come to me if I knew what tree he was standing under, so I went to crawling towards him. And he, I never heard another word out of this turkey. And I popped up 20 yards from that giant oak tree, and there he was standing in the shade, not strutting or anything. He was just standing there, and I popped him. <laughs> and I went over there, and just like you said, he's sitting there, just looks like he's, you know, I'm like, oh, I shot him close, 20 yards. He's stone dead, and saw he had some good spurs. So I reached down there to grab him, and, man, I got the same treatment you did. He <laughs> He started flopping and got me good. He got he punched two holes in my hand and oh tore up my gloves I've had for like ten years. But you know I'll keep the pieces of them still to cover my absolutely. hands. But. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You should. And you know he left you very fitting into your season and his life. So hey, I was very happy fun. to see that blood. I'll take it getting spurred all day. But it was an interesting hunt. That's the first time I've had the crows really help me out like that. I mean, I've had them help me before, but not to the extent of where I was like, they're dive bombing that turkey. Like he's under that oak tree right now. So I'm, I'm going because I only got 20 minutes to make this happen. Absolutely. I've I've had crows help me many times over the years, you know, and even locate a bird that I didn't even know was around. Had never opened its mouth and treat it like it was one and end up with a bird. Not all the time, but sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it, it it works every now and then. You never know. Yeah, take everything we can get. Absolutely. So we got a little bit of of Georgia. Actually, we didn't get a whole lot of Georgia from you, but but we got a little Texas, and then some talk about South Dakota. But you didn't, you haven't dived into South Dakota just yet. How was how were things up there? It was it was a great season. It was uh it was different this year though. It was uh, really kind of almost borderline strange at times um plenty of birds that was not an issue but man they they busted up really quick spread out which is good you know it's it's always nice to hear 60 70 birds in one spot but i'd rather go out and hear three over here and five over there and two over there and that kind of stuff and that's that's what they did they did really quickly this year and uh but the thing about it that was weird you know usually when you have three five gobblers whatever in a bunch dozen hens or more they get rid of those hens fairly quickly. It doesn't take too long before they start drifting off and those those groups get smaller and more gobblers and they start having fewer and fewer hens and then they start looking and make your hunt better. This year, good Lord, it took forever to get rid of hens. And uh, mm-hmm. the last day I was there, I mean, we still had hens all over gobblers. So um, it was just a, a strange season. I, I don't really know exactly why it was that way. Other than We had a very bad winter up there this year in my area. We had six to eight feet of snow mm, and yeah. uh, i think once the snow melted off they were ready to get out of some different pasture and start yeah to spread but it was good we killed uh we killed 31 we should have had probably 40 to 42 or three we we had some misses we had some uh equipment malfunctions we had some rookie mistake kind of stuff and but everybody had opportunities and that's that's what it's all about for me from a, an outfitter standpoint is just making sure people get their opportunities and let them do the rest, you know, and, and most of the time it works out, but occasionally you'll have seasons where people just can't, can't close the deal. You know? Yeah. yeah. D- did the winter in your estimation have any effect on turkey populations for those adult birds? 
No, and I say that just just speaking from my areas, I I didn't see a a drop off decline in numbers, you know, due to any anything. Uh, I had good numbers. It's amazing and, uh, they can live through that. Is they are that's I don't think people give turkeys enough credit for just how physically tough they are. And uh, there's those Merriam's jokers out there in that kind of habitat. I mean, those jokers to live in that kind of snow. I mean, yeah. how how on earth could they live in that? I, I have no idea. The ones that fare better than others obviously are the ones around the, the feedlots in the cattle area and my area is mm-hmm. cattle area but um, you know i found birds very early in the season that were off in places nowhere near the uh the cattle ranchers that were feeding you know huh. um now most of them most of them were either in or close by in proximity to those ranches that were feeding the cattle they that's what helps them through the winter. But the ones that, that sit out there in the middle of nowhere and have nothing, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how they, they're just tough. Yeah, you got, got to respect that joker. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did they, this may be a stupid question. Did they, the ones y'all killed seem to weigh less equal more yeah. than usual? No, that's a great question. And, and honestly going into the season, just knowing what kind of winter we had there, I, I expected light birds this, this, past spring i thought we could kill a lot of 16 17 18 pound birds you know yeah and uh, we didn't i bet we averaged 20 pounds of bird wow and, uh, the, the farmer fact, was generous with the feed this year i guess so <laughs> sick of seeing them too but no i mean they, they did well they they just uh the weights weren't weren't down I, and i've seen seasons okay. before, but they, they weren't this year uh, cool I, I killed the heaviest bird that I've ever killed out there. It's like the biggest bird all, all around that I've ever killed in South Dakota for 30 years. Uh, in fact, my my girlfriend and I were hunting, and I ended up killing one. Long story short, he was he was like uh, what was he uh, 24, 14 in weight, which was wow. ridiculous. Like wow. first part of my you know? and uh, had nine and a half inch beard, had an inch and a half and an inch and nine sixteen spurs. It's the best spurs I've killed there, but. Uh, now he was a he was a hybrid, but uh, I could care less what he was. Uh, just he was a, a wild turkey. <laughs> yeah, and big. So then two days later, I killed the smallest bird I ever killed. And this is what I expected. I mean, he was uh, only fourteen nine and uh, had a eight and a half inch beard, seven eight inch bird. So mature bird. He thought he was king of the jungle, man. He was strutting around, dogging Jake's, you know. But he's a lightweight. I, when I picked him up, I thought. I forgot to put the meat in this juggle. I mean, he was like, but uh, lots of lots of different in betweens. You know, we we just had had a great season. I can't complain one bit about it. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. I, I I think the smile on my face would have been equal with both those turkeys you killed. You know, absolutely was. Yeah, absolutely was. I, they're both great hunts. That's what makes turkey hunting what it is to me. Is just every one of them's different. You know, every hunt's different. I mean, you, you may do something the same way and end up with the same result, but all that in-between stuff is just all kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, every spring, it seems like you see something you've never seen or see it in a different way or whatever. But I had a, uh, a young lady down in uh, Nebraska with me one more early part of the season and uh, her and her dad from North Carolina. And she was, she was 14 years old, 13 or 14. Just a sweetheart of a girl. Just fell in love with her. And uh, I'll tell you why in a minute. But she, she loves to hunt. And uh, I sat her and her dad off to my left. And I had, because of the lack of place to, to set three of us, I put them there. I just scouted these birds. And there were several in there. And, and they were across a creek. So I told them, I said, look, I've got to go up the hill just a little bit to the left. 
I said, but I'll be within 15 yards of you. Well, that's, I pointed out where I was going to be. Went in there super dark. And the uh, morning or two mornings before, I had scouted it, I don't know, five, five long beards and three or four uh, jakes and, uh, you know, 20 or more hens. And they were, that morning we went in there, bird finally popped off. And I counted, he got almost 73 times on the limb before you hit the ground. But I said, he's the only one in there. Something else mm. had to gobble. But he flew down. I, I heard him when he pitched. And he flew down and landed out there at about 125 yards away. When he hit the ground, I just jumped him. And he hammered it and started coming. And then all of a sudden, all you see is, you know, the parasailer of hens just bailing out on top of him. And I think <laughs> like 19 or 20 hens. Well, so they picked him up. But I got to watch this bird breed nine hens before he thought he was going to breed the 10th one, and she killed him because he was coming into me. But <laughs> he, shot too, he shot too far, and the, the bird actually ran off. But he ran off with his wings out a little bit. He's trying to get his balance. He's been rattled. So I got up walked over to her. I said, honey, that's just too far. And her dad goes, uh, oh, DJ, how far do you think he was? I said, he's pushing 60 yards. I said, really? I said, yeah, and she's shooting a 20 gauge. But she just, you know, let her, let her nerves get her. And he said, well, yeah. she didn't ask three times to shoot. And I wouldn't let her because I didn't think he was close enough. And I finally thought he was. And once again, that, that distance uh, in open ground is, it'll fool yeah. you. Know, yeah. He's close. And uh, so she shot. And I walked it. I was 62 yards. I said, well, let's walk over toward the creek and see if he might have collapsed over there. So well, sure enough, we got walked another 20, 25 yards, and there he was laying there grain, graveyard dead. Six, 62 or 63 yards, I think it was, with a 20-gauge. And just, just, you know, he ran as far as he could and ran out of gas. But uh, I asked her later. We were hunting on a hillside in, the, in still in Nebraska. And uh, hunting one evening, just me and her and her dad had gone off on his own somewhere. And I said, how you don't you don't like do you like sports or anything she said well i do and she said but i said so why do you not play any she said no she said it cuts into my deer and my turkey hunting i said i you're my girl so Heck yeah. <laughs> but she, she awesome. was, yeah it was fun yeah that's awesome no doubt so cameron asked you about the adult birds what did you see as far as juvenile birds yeah i heard you oh, say oh. something about uh tom running some jakes around so you yeah. That's a good sign. Yeah, yeah great. So I saw jakes on every one of my properties. Some some properties a few more than others, but in general, more birds there anyway. But um, yeah, so so good numbers of jakes. So it should be another great spring next year if they survive another winter. But I, 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 if they could get through that when they went through this past year, I don't see it being a problem. But uh, yeah, so good numbers of jakes. That's encouraging. Um, yeah, sometimes to the point though, I, I saw jakes that were so aggravating because they, you know, how jakes will do when they'll <laughs> run your big boy off sometimes, get him out of out of the hunt. So that happens some too, but that's that's you just chalk it up as well. We'll get you next year, you know. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I I hope it'd be nice to have jakes to run off the gobbler every year a couple times at least, just so you know you got next yeah. year's crop coming. <laughs> that's right. That's right. May not yeah. think that clearly in the moment, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't usually. Yeah. How how many climate. years have you been guiding those Merriam's turkeys? So you do the plains portion of South Dakota and Nebraska for guiding? Yes. Yes. Um, I would say I've done now upwards of 18 years or so, 17, 18 years of guiding there uh, out of the 30 years that I've been going. The first I went the first time uh, just as a hunter, you know, mm-hmm. as a paid 
flight with this this guy and then uh the next year i started guiding for him and i got it for like uh i don't know i think a dozen years straight then i got it a year or two here and there just to help him out when i was not guiding anywhere just floating around the country getting different places and then uh then when he offered the, the business to me I, I was like yeah so yeah that's been you know 17 to 18 years i guess of fully guiding what would you say in your personal opinion would be the biggest factor for turkey populations out there as far as fluctuations I, uh, I, I would i would put it on predators because you don't have the habitat loss like you do here per se mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's planes it's not timber company stuff it's just farming and ranching you know and so that factor is, has not changed since i've been going there um it's not a habitat loss of, in terms of uh, people moving in either. There's not many people in those areas, and it's, it's small, and it's it'll probably be that way way past yeah. our time. Probably honestly, but, more people moving out in those yeah, little towns. Absolutely. You see abandoned right. houses and stuff. You're right. You're exactly right. Um, most of the people that are out there, if they don't have a, a job at say the hardware and tax store in town or, or a bar and grill or something like that, they they work on a ranch. But uh, I would say that the biggest problem that they face out there in my area is these predators. I mean, it's it's bobcats and coons and mountain lions and you know it's all kind of stuff that can can cause problems to the hen or to the nest or both. I watched, uh, I had a client going down a hill into this draw one, one day, and we had already cleared this opening back in the trees. We got headed to another opening, and uh, all of a sudden we heard a hen just cackling, you know. And we turned and looked, and there was a hen flying, and she flew and landed in the next flat. We could see her, and she ran off down a little trail. And all of a sudden we looked back, and there's a there's a bobcat going 150 miles an hour. In you know, he'd been chasing her, or I had chased her. And mm. he goes on down the hill. Uh, down that trail, and when he got uh, when we got down the trail, we saw feathers. And now we don't know if it was that particular hen, but it was something had, had killed a hen right there. So it's very possible that she hit the ground, started walking, and then he he caught up with her. But that's that's the biggest problems is predators and such as that, as as far as uh, population stuff. And of course, just you know, turkeys are cyclic. You're gonna have good years and bad years, regardless weather wise. Those kind of things. Those are, but it's it's old to me. It's kind of old time problem. You just have to weather the storm with the turkeys. Uh, seems like we've got new problems here, more so than we used to have. So yeah, uh, predators and weather out there is too key. Do you or do the the landowners have anybody trapping or or hunting predators during the off seasons? They do some some coyote control occasionally. Some of these guys will come in with choppers and shoot them, and some will do the night vision stuff and that kind of thing. But uh, there, there's trapping, active trapping that goes on here and there on different pieces. Uh, the governor, Kristen Ohm of South Dakota, she's a tremendous proponent of wildlife conservation and whatever it takes to keep it strong. And mm-hmm. uh, yes, she is. She and she she's super. She's sharp, but she she also I mean she's got like a bounty for all these animals, yep. you know, just bring your tail in, give you 10 bucks, try to help these kids get involved. Super, super way to do it. You know, uh, teach yeah. them something, give them a little reward and do some good for the wildlife in the meantime. Well, and they, they recognize what pheasants and turkeys and other game birds mean to the state, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's... huge, huge cash crop. Now, pheasant numbers uh in my county, Gregory County, um, pheasant used to be the pheasant capital of the world. So they said, 
And there were a lot of pheasants there. You kick them up all the time. And now you, you rarely ever see you know, any wild pheasant out there anymore. So, wow. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a yeah, shame. It's, uh, I just looked it up real quick. So the way it works, March 1 to July 1, youth under 18 can participate, and, and anyone can start participating in April. And so they allocate $500,000, and so they'll pay out until they've hit that limit. Mm -hmm. And anyone who brings in a raccoon, skunk, badger, possum, or foxtail gets $10 per tail. That's right. That's That's pretty awesome. That is awesome, and it's serious. You know, that's a lot of money. But it's also... Think about it. Think about our time when we were kids. If somebody offered me 10 bucks for a coontail, they'd have a pile of them. I mean, yeah. you know, and these kids out there, they, they're growing up right way on ranches and stuff, and they, they're learning to work from an early age. And, you know, just like get, you, get your tail up and go, go kill some of those coons down there or whatever and uh, get a little money for it, too. That's, that's a pretty cool deal. Yeah. Yeah, that's Absolutely. pretty neat. No doubt. And then. They even have little like giveaways and stuff for youth. And, I mean, you can just tell they're really trying to get the youth in, involved in, in trapping. Yeah. And what a cool, what a cool deal! And I mean, if they pay it all out, that's fifty thousand predators removed from the landscape. That's that's not a small amount. <laughs> no, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's a good deal. Yeah. So, did you get a chance to hunt in Georgia much with the season being pushed back? No, I I miss you know I hit the road before it even opened, and then well, um, when I get back, I've got uh, you know, a handful of days left that I can hunt when I get home. And uh, Donna and I, we hunted, uh, I think, maybe four days when I got back to South Dakota. Uh, she always comes out, stays with me the last 10 or 12 days in South Dakota, and we hunt a few days out there, you know, four or five days, whatever we want to do. And then we come home and we hunt uh, the days that we have left uh, here. And when I get back, all my vacation spent for the most part and yeah. Um, so I go back to work, and then I'll have a couple off days here, and work a couple, and have more off days. And, and she's got the same schedule I have, and so we we just hunted those days. We had a good time. We we rattled some hens. We only heard one gobbler those four days, and he was uh, a long way, and uh, we couldn't even get in the game. But um, I, I'll always hunt Georgia if it's one day. You know, I'm gonna I, I've got to because yeah, uh, sentimental stuff. But uh, every now and then I get lucky and kill one doing that. But it's um, I just uh, I don't have the time to do uh, to hunt Georgia anymore, more than just a few days because of what I do in South Dakota. But it's uh, it's a fair trade. I mean, I'm in turkeys every day and loving every minute of it and getting hunt some cool people, meet some fine people. Got a lot of repeat clientele. And, uh, it's just a it never gets old. And and you know, if you get to hunt places uh, day in and day out. You'll, you'll eventually start killing more birds because you learn the land and what they like to do and all those things. And uh, so it's, it's like I said earlier, it just never gets old. And I, I love it out there. It's home away from home. It's probably my favorite place to turkey hunt in the world. Did the Georgia season getting moved back cut out some Georgia time for you? Or would you have been gone anyway? No, no it's, uh, yeah, it it's used to open like uh, just – March 20th. Yeah, well, sometimes yep. 22nd, whatever, 25th, somewhere in there every year. And uh, But it got moved, uh, like, say, April 1st for private landowners and 10 days or so before the, the public. Uh, you can hunt public ground. So that doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, it's, uh, it's not fair. 
you got people that don't own land and they got to sit and wait while their buddies that do go out there. It's not a competition. Don't miss, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It's just what, why do that? You know, Georgia's 92, 93% privately owned. So your private landowners can go to, go to work early and you got to wait another or so before you can even start. And it's just, uh, can't find any sense in that, but, uh, don't get me down that road. I'll, I'll run a long ways down it about <laughs> things that I don't agree with, but, uh, yeah. That, so anyway, in, in answer to your question, no, I, I'm usually gone because I, I go to South Dakota a week before the season to start preparing, you know, checking out, we're scouting and, listening and all that kind of cool stuff before the season. Now, it's a lot of mornings you feel like you should have just stayed home in Hunter, Georgia a couple more days for a couple of days because, like, last two seasons, for example, it's it's been so dang windy in that first couple of weeks. And, and geez, some, some mornings so windy you can't hear anything anyway. There's no sense in even going out except to go glass somewhere. You're not going to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are your thoughts as far as season open dates in – South Dakota and Nebraska because of the winter are are do you just as a general rule do you see much larger flocks early in the season and think that needs to be moved back a, a week or so or you think it's good as is I know you still kill birds then because you know what the birds are doing but what are your thoughts if if you were in control what would DJ do well, I think, uh, you know, those big flocks are great. Like I said, it's uh, for the the hunters that come early, some some seasons they're going to hear massive birds. I mean, I, I was sitting with uh, a, a guy and his son, young young son, one day in South Dakota. It was opening weekend, as a matter of fact, and I mean, we heard like nine different groups of birds going off at one time, and they, they weren't little groups. They were they were they were hammering, and it was like good lord, you know, that's amazing. So that alone is enough to that's an experience that a lot of people never get to to have. Yeah. But if or you know, I don't see a need for any change just based on my experience there for changing anything. You're not gonna kill more birds because of these big flocks. People have a the misunderstanding that oh, we've got all these birds. We're it's a slam dunk. It's not. And as y'all know, there's no such thing as a slam dunk in turkey season. But it doesn't make it easier by having big numbers of birds out there in, in one group. It's yeah. it doesn't. You just you're competing with so much, and it's about knowing travel routes and habits and those kind of things. Where scouting comes in really handy. But uh, so no, I don't see any reason to. I mean, South Dakota's got one of the longest seasons in the country. Uh, they yeah. come in like the eighth, tenth, somewhere around there of April. And they roll all the way through May. You know, Georgia used to boast the longest. It was late March through May 15th. It was one of the longest, too. But Nebraska, South Dakota, Nebraska opens a week later, other than a, a youth season that comes in the same time South Dakota comes in. Uh, but it's uh, as far as changing or a need, seeing a need to change anything, no. If, if, if DJ was involved, he wouldn't, he wouldn't change the dates. I don't see any need in it. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I think... The hunting is great through, say, mid-March. When you get to mid-March, you still kill birds out, but it's a different kind of hunt. They start slowly transitioning into, yeah, I'm not that interested, to hot, hotter weather. You know, 75 degrees on the prairie is hot. I mean, it, it, you just, it just bakes down on you, you know, and you can't find shade uh, enough to, to cool off unless the wind's blowing. And by that point of the season, it may or may not. But uh, early in the season, you get one of those hot days, and we had man, we had three day stretch of ninety plus degrees there. I was like, good lord, my wow. gorgeous. 
but there's <laughs> no shot down because the leaves aren't on it. You just yeah. burn up. And the turkeys shut it down just like they do here. They they just wallow around in the shade all day. So um, yeah. I don't think I don't think there's anything about the season that I would say needs to be changed. And Nebraska did. They you know, they they only allotted ten thousand non-resident tags. You should yeah. be a free. You wanted them, go get them. And uh, it's not that way anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and that's for anybody wanting to hunt in Nebraska, guided, public, or whatever, right? Yeah. Non-resident. Non, I don't know. Resident. Yeah. That's interesting. Did did that cut into? I mean, did you have the, a similar number of Nebraska clients as usual? Uh, I had less Nebraska clients as you than usual because I purposely cut those numbers down because I don't have the property in Nebraska that have. Uh, uh, okay. So I don't I don't hunt, hunt much. Take a few birds off of the properties that I have. I'm done. In fact. Uh, it's it's just not as it's not as um, not saying there's not birds there, but like my properties in Nebraska are generally pretty small, so it's easy for them to get off my property on somebody else's, and those properties next to me are hunted by other outfitters, and they throw people out of the truck, let them just waylay whatever they want, so they they keep hammered up pretty bad. I, I don't think I killed but three birds in Nebraska this year on purpose. Yeah, you know, just quit hunting. It's just like nah, they ain't going back down there. We don't have the birds there. Um, yeah, it, you know, you, you mentioned, you asked uh, if there was anything I'd do, do differently. Uh, there, there are a couple of things actually. I, I got thinking about that a little bit more. And you, I think it looked, I was just thinking from the actual hunting standpoint or the season dates and that kind of stuff. But the system that South Dakota uses in the prairie units is a is a draw. It's a quota drawing, or they call it a quota. It's a true quota, but it's uh, you have to build preference points to draw a tag. There. And um, like my county, only there's only 56 non-resident tags uh, allotted. Yeah. So tough draw. You got to have yeah. I'll say two two points get you drawn. Pretty pretty good chance of getting drawn. Three is usually pretty much a slam dunk. But one you can buy for, if you don't have any points, you know, no need to apply. But uh, that'd be one thing. Another thing is this is one of the dumbest laws I've ever listened. And I think y'all agree. I'd put it on your list anyway. I bet it'd make top five. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited to hear in, this. In South Dakota, it is perfectly legal to ride down the road. And if you see a turkey between the ditches on the county road, as long as you get out of your vehicle, you can pull your gun out and shoot him dead in the road and tag him and drive to the house. Look what I got, boys. That's what you can do in South Dakota. Now, that's dumb. I don't care who you are, or who wrote the law, or who said it's okay. That's dumb. Yeah, that uh, I believe same way for pheasant and pretty much anything. I guess it's just between the ditches is considered public land. Yeah, you can't shoot. If the law reads it is illegal to take any big game animal in South Dakota in the roadway except wild turkey. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I don't know this. But it, it probably uh, derived from the pheasant hunters back in the day, walking down the road, kicking the shrubs and ditches and fence lines and shooting birds in the road. And if all turkeys, you might kick up a turkey that's standing over there somewhere around the curve or whatever. Oh, yeah, you're going to shoot him, too. Well, I'm telling you, with TSS today, it's just a matter of time before somebody gets a windshield full of that stuff. Maybe worse. Hope not. I think it's dangerous, and I think it's retarded. There's nothing hunting. There's no hunting involved with that. And uh, Donna and I were hunting there last, and it was our our time to hunt. We, she'll get there ten or twelve days before my last clients leave, and she'll go. Uh, when can we hunt? And I'll go when everybody leaves, when everybody's done. All the clients got to be true before we hunt. So okay, so we'll go out once they leave, and we've got 
many days as we got left, we can hunt, you know, because it's, it's mine. So we do what we want to do. So we'll go mm-hmm. four or five days, you know, and we were hunting the spot, and we heard some birds close to where we parked off down in the draw, and I said, let's go over there in those big round hay bales and just see see what they're doing, make a plan, and then we'll, we'll leave. Well, they ended up getting two birds going. Well, actually three, but they, they were coming from different directions, but they were all out in front of us across the road. I said, well, they come over here all the time, and that was our land over there, too, but it's wide open. We couldn't move. Well, finally, we see all three of them, and one of them starts working his way down a fence line. He's the furthest away, but he's the hottest. Right there, he'll come. So I just threw a few yelps. I said, she's right here in the hay bales. It's no big deal. You know, our side, either side of the road. Well, he's, he gets to a corner in the fence right by the road. And then he's like, forgets that he has wings and doesn't understand how to go under. Can't of course. <laughs> I don't understand it either. I don't know how they, they do that, but that's what they do. And he's back and forth, strutting, gobbling his brains out. And all of a sudden, I hear gravel popping way up. I look, I see this little car coming. I said, you want to see? The stupidest turkey law in South Dakota. And she said, what? I said, see that car right there? I said, yeah. I said, it's a road hunter. She said, no. I said, watch. Pulled up to the bird. Now, he's confused. He's like, well, I guess I might need to leave, but I'm not going to. I don't know. They slam on brakes. Guy gets out, shoots the turkey, jumps the fence, runs out there. Bird's flopping around. He chases it around, grabs it, gives it to his buddy over the fence. He gets over the fence. Now, keep in mind, by the time he stops and shoots, I'm already on the way. Mm. And Lord forgive me, but some, some filthy stuff came out of my mouth and I was screaming at the top of my lungs, headed straight to them. But they're they're further away than I can, can cover before they throw it in the back of the car and you turn and haul butt up the road and they're gone. So of course my girlfriend's just, she's screaming at me while I'm going towards shoot them, shoot them. I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> He was hot, boy. I thought it was thirty eight hot, but um, that was just an example of it. just it's a dumb and and they broke three laws. Right? They they shot across the fence, which is illegal. They crossed the fence, which is trespassing, illegal. Threw it in the car and left. They didn't tag that bird. They hauled butt because I was on the way. So that's three laws they broke right there in a span of about five minutes. They were home free, and then I guess they went back to Sioux Falls or wherever they were from with their bird and talked about what a great hunt they had. They just yeah, big, big time, man. I mean, yeah. that is <laughs> pure, <laughs> pure sport right there. I yeah. mean, you got to really... I mean, when you look at that fan and spurs hanging up there and think back of the memory of that hunt, you know, where you were, you were physically able to open a car door and yeah. shoot the turkey and get over the fence and back before DJ uh-huh. shot you. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> that's what it amounted to. And they, I, well, I'm not even going to say what I opened, but I, I've got thoughts about those individuals. But they, if you see it, we, and I am... That's part of my deal is policing my property. You know, I got people that I know, or I know that's what my head had a oh, guy yeah. this year with me and Donna. Tar that was going up the road, it's quarter to five, and I was putting along. And I said, That's road, huh? She said, You think? I said, Yep. And uh, he pulls over, so I'll go over there. So I went on, I went down to the property we were going to hunt, pulled up those very same hay bales, lots of birds in that area right there. And I said, uh, That guy will be in here in a minute. So he's, he's coming right down this road, and it wasn't long, here he comes. When he, when he came, when I saw him coming, I cranked the truck up, pulled up to the edge of the road. He went on by. I fell in right behind him and went on over the hill and stopped. He went on out of, out of sight. 20 minutes later, when the birds started flying down, they were some of them flying down in the road. This is one, one of my farm, and uh, that's County Road. goes right down the middle. A few minutes, he comes running back. 
all these birds are out there strutting around by the road, in the road. I said, no, not today, buddy. So, <laughs> of course, he wasn't going to do anything when he was sitting there. But uh, then he went on, went on down the road. But uh, it's just it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's a pretty absurd law. Not going to lie. That would be very frustrating, I imagine, as someone who's guiding and you own property where turkeys are using the road because turkeys love a good road. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're and they got one, one that particular place. I mean, they're roosting in trees between the road and the and the barn, and I mean, they'll pitch out in the road. I mean, it's not uncommon. Opening part of the season, that opening that week before opening day, I had thirty something gobblers strutting in the road. So you know, wow. they know these these guys know the roads to hit when they want to go shoot a turkey out of the window. But, yeah. So maybe I need to write Christy, Governor, a letter and say, look, we got to sit down and have some coffee and talk about it. Yeah. Hey, you never know. Might be worth doing. She seemed pretty reasonable. I think she'd probably figure that out pretty quick unless she uh, unless she likes riding the roads and kicking up turkeys. But I don't know if <laughs> don't she's think, doing that. I don't either. I think she cares too much. Yeah, maybe probably she... her in that little car you're chasing around. <laughs> <laughs> she was the driver for that dude that jumped <laughs> secretary <of> state <laughs> that's right it was the attorney general and and the governor <laughs> that was hilarious one of my neighbors out there is uh, melissa bachman you know the, you know i'm talking about that does the yeah she, she lives next town down for me so yeah yeah i talked to her in nashville one year she said well come see me I'm like, I'm going to pull up in your yard and come see you. Probably see me. her old, what's his name? Ben Bull Bear or whatever his name is that she's married to. He's a nice guy, too. They're both good. I have no idea. I don't, yeah. I don't have a clue. But, yeah, that's a pretty interesting law. I hadn't heard that one. I knew that was the case with Turk, uh, pheasants. I did not know it also pertained to the wild turkey. And hopefully our respectable listeners to this show didn't just get any great ideas. Well, if they got any ideas from that, it wasn't anything great about it. So, you know, <laughs> I don't voice my opinion of it because it's just it makes zero sense whatsoever. Yeah. You know? but, I mean, if, uh, hope- if that's the way you want to kill one, then it's a matter of just wanting something to eat. And the grocery store is a lot closer and a lot cheaper. Absolutely. Yeah, that is yeah. true. Yeah. I, I watched uh, one person shoot up a box of TSS. They could have bought a turkey cheaper than that. <laughs> they could have yeah. bought a turkey poult fed it for two years fattened it up <laughs> that's right. and killed it a lot cheaper than that yeah yeah that's a fact that's well that that is interesting that is interesting what i guess if someone wants to hunt with you are you pretty booked up for the next couple of years I'm booked up for next year and uh partial for uh 2025 i i would suggest that anybody that, that wanted to hunt me with me or in the prairie units of south dakota then the, the first thing you need to do is you do even have a, a hint that you might want to one day go ahead and build your preference because you're not going to get drawn just because hey i think i'm going to south dakota next year and hunt gregory county no you're not not if you don't have any point and it's not me it's just that's the state of south dakota that's how they that's how it's, it is and so somebody wanted to hunt with me, um, they won't hunt 2024, and they might get to hunt 25, but because there is a preference point purchase period that begins in September, I think around the middle part of September, and it goes through the, about the end of the year. And you can just get on the uh, 
go outdoors, go outdoors, South Dakota website, build your profile, take you 10 minutes, go in there and buy, purchase, uh, purchase a preference point for 10 bucks. That's a no brainer. And then next year, uh, you, you can buy another one. And then going into 2025, you could have two points and you stand a chance of getting drawn. Um, to me, I think you can build up to five and keep them for a long period of time, maybe even indefinitely. I'm not sure about the length, how long you can keep those points, but you won't ever need five, but build them. You know, you've lost nothing. If you, if you did build five, if it took, if you spent five years buying a point a year and decided, yeah, well, you lost 50 bucks over a five year period. I think pretty much everybody that wants to hunt out of state can stand 50 bucks over five years. So, um, that's the only advice I can give. I'd love to have you. I'd love to have anybody else to come out and experience some fine turkey hunting, some of the most pristine country there is. I'd love to have you. I've got great accommodations. I've got great people uh, all around me. All my all my landowners are super people. I'm just a good deal. But you got to have the points or you just aren't going to be able to come. Yeah. Uh, that's good advice for anybody wanting to do a hunt out in that area to yeah. get on that because... I promise you, the way turkey hunting's growing, it ain't gonna get any easier to draw that yeah. place. <laughs> Especially when you only a lot fifty six a year, you know. So, uh, what you'll see uh, an indicator of that would be uh, taking more more points to draw a tag, you know. Eventually, yeah, but, uh, it'll you happen. Know, I, yeah, well, we used to years ago when <clears throat> when I first started guiding. I mean, we built up to a point where we had over forty thousand acres of land, and a lot of it was South Dakota, a lot of it was Nebraska. So. If you didn't draw a South Dakota, it'll just get you a couple of Nebraska tags and come on, and it's not like that now. I don't, I just don't have that luxury. So mm. uh, it's just a shame. I have one one place that has plenty of birds and killed plenty of birds there over the years. But this is an older lady, sweetheart, but she had a dog kind of dumped on her by her kids or grandkids or something. They had to move, couldn't take the dog. Basically, you want the dog here, keep the dog, please take the dog, and she took the dog. Couldn't say no. Well, the dog is not it's not harassing the turkeys. You get out of the truck and it wants to come play and love on you and lay with you, run around and sleep on her. So uh, I ain't killed a bird on her for like two years. So yeah. I, I go I go look at them and try to hunt it. And hunt. It's one or two spots I can hunt if I catch them in the right route. But uh, other than that, it's not like it used to be. And uh, just got a few few little small patches that I hunt. It's you know you see change here, there, everywhere. Uh, right. So, See some pretty good changes, and sometimes you see stuff you don't have absolutely enough control over. And if it goes to the to the wrong side of what you want it to be, it's it's pretty sad. But you know, things do change. Yeah, yeah, that is a fact. Well, I would never say this out loud on a show that's going to be posted for uh, six people to hear because that's how many listeners we have now. But I think <laughs> I'd I think I'd be buying some of those ambient infused vienna sausages to take on that farm and <laughs> i'm going to use air quotes and share some with the dog <laughs> well <laughs> that thought that, that that very thought has been mentioned to me by clientele a couple of times take care of that dog for you no no no, <laughs> no. yeah you lose you lose that place and get thrown in jail at the same time yeah. that would not be a good combo no, yeah, no that's we less won't. than ideal yeah, we we won't do that. Got to take care of the people that take care of me, you know. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And if that made anybody mad, you can email me. It's Cameron at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no, no. It was all 
it's, uh, you know, we get aggravated. It's just like, we get aggravated with hens, you know. We got hens, oh, but yeah. Yeah. you, you want to kill them every time you see them. And say, Here comes another hen. Shoot the, you know, but you don't because we need everyone we got out there. They all serve a purpose. And uh, like it or not, there's there's times, though, that they can be helpful. Now, I hadn't figured out a helpful thing for that dog unless it pushes some birds to me one day. But uh, the, the hens, you know, get the right hen. And a lot of that this year out there. I had to work hens in more than I guess I ever have in a, over the course of the season, trying to that's work hens to kill the turkeys and kill the goblins. Yeah, that's a good sign, though. A lot of, a lot of hens means lots of potential poults. Yeah. You know, we had a I had a guy that was actually staying in a house on one of my properties, and uh, he worked for South Dakota Game Fishing Parks. He's a biologist, and uh, he was doing a lot of turkey research out there this spring, which was great to see. And radio transmitters and, you know, banded legs and all that cool stuff, just to keep it up with different things. And uh, they, they, I talked to the guy for, in length one day, and he said, I said, give me the lowdown on what you think the population is here in, in this section of the county. He said, it's fantastic. He said, this is one of our stronger places right here. And I said, that's good to hear. Of course, with that in mind, too, we're all supposed to be stewards of this of this turkey hunting. If we're going to hunt them, then we're supposed to take care of them. We, you know, take pride in not hammering places and taking too many birds out of a place and doing it the wrong way. I always would try to do it the right way. And, and it shows because we're still doing it after all these years. Yeah. yeah. What, w- what would you say is an acceptable harvest rate? If you have 20 gobblers on a farm, what would you be comfortable taking off that farm in a year? Well, I'll say that, 20 male turkeys include the jakes. Okay. Well, part of that for me would depend on uh, how big that farm is. And if so, what difference it make how big it is if you've got X amount of birds on it? Well, the thing about turkey hunting, and this is this is a an illustration of how it works there, and I believe how it works here too. You you guys make wood. Back in the day, I was telling you about all that land we used to have. One of those particular places where the bunkhouse was, we had sixteen thousand acres of contiguous property. And when the birds spread out, they were still on our they hadn't gone it. We just had to find where they spread out to. We were still hunting on our property. Well, my properties now, and I've probably got I don't know, 12,000 acres or so total spread out. But I might have 900 acres right here that's got a bunch of birds on it. But in a couple of weeks, a lot of those birds have spread out, and they spread out off the property. But at the same time, I get an influx of birds from other properties that I didn't have earlier sometimes, too, from some of my places. So it's hard to give you an exact number. But if if I've got 1,500 acres and i got 20 male birds obviously first for me i'm not not trying to shoot jakes um, i will let somebody that's never killed a bird shoot a jake on that last day of the hunt or you know some older gentleman that deserves all the respect in the world because he's still trying at 78 years old yeah i'm, I'm if you if you want to shoot that bird sir you can you can shoot him that kind of stuff but we're not just jumping in there shooting jakes but let's say out of that 20 we've got a dozen long beards. I personally don't want to take any more to say five off of it. And and that's because I know from the experience out there what I have coming in usually, you know, based on year to year experience. Okay, this it's like sometimes you kill a bird, say you got four and you go down there and you shoot one and then a week later you go back down there take one more, what the heck, we can take one more off this place and you got six in there. Where the heck did they come from? Yeah, you know, a lot out there. I just think 
the best practice. Uh, y'all know as well as I do that pressure is a terrible thing on turkey hunting. And not not saying it's wrong with you. I should decide how many people turkey. I just mean you alone could take your property of a thousand acres and pressure it to the point of making it not a great place to turkey hunt. Same time, you alone can hunt that place and never pressure it the whole year. How you go in, how you come out, what you do when you're in there, how many times you're hunting it back to back to back. Are you beating on this bird, same bird over and over? You're shooting and missing, and you're shooting and wounding, and you're killing too many. You are in control of what you do on your property and how good of a place you want that to be to hunt. So the great thing is, like, for instance, I've got a, one of my pieces is probably, I don't know, 2,500 acres, and I take one hunter or two hunters in that place, three-day hunt, I don't spend all three days necessarily on that piece of property. I might, but I might not. I'm just trying to keep birds in in cooperative birds and mouthy birds and the best I can. You can't control all those things. But no hunter's ever going to come to my place and go home and go, he ain't got it. If they do their line, I'm just glad I don't, <laughs> don't want to do that. And that's why I keep my number, my hunters low and my harvest low. Um, yeah. This The percentage is, is always good. It's just the... The numbers I mean, back in the day, again, I mean, we might kill, I think we killed over 100 birds in there, not on one place, spread out over 40,000 acres. Now, a good season, if I kill 30 to 40 birds a year, I'm, I'm fine, perfectly fine. I don't yeah. want to wipe my spots. I'm, I'm still one of my places, you know, so have to be yeah. careful. Just kind of have to base a lot of that on what I'm seeing, what I hear early, what I see early, what I'm seeing through the course of the season. I go in and out of places. I've been pleasantly surprised before going into a place like early and going, I didn't hear but two birds in there this morning. And then go back in a week, you know, something, they're moving in, you know, they spread out some more. So now I got another group in there and I got, you know, eight or nine. Of course, I've, I've gone in, in places that, like, let me hit this place one time while we're here. I hear one bird in here. That's been two weeks ago. I didn't go in there and there as a group in there, six, seven, eight birds gobbling. And you're like, huh, okay, I'm good to go. Yeah. Yeah. I've just, I've heard that story too many times from the guy that, you know, he's got a couple hundred acres he can hunt. And him and his buddy both tagged out on it last year. Mm-hmm. And he just, he can't figure out why they don't have any birds this year. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. well. That's like, we, we've had conversations, you know, yeah. you got birds, you kill two birds, two from two, two, how many you got? You got on opening day, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to walk around a place that doesn't have birds. That's why yeah. I think in the back of my mind, whether a hunter would ever say it or not, and, and I've had them do it jokingly, because most of my hunters, most of them, I'd say 85, 90% of my hunters are repeat clients. That's so a good some time. of them know each other pretty well over the years and they jank on you about hey, you throw me in a gar hole today i don't want to walk around with you in a gar hole <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to walk around and, and not hear birds i'm not out here for the walk i get enough walking in out here through the course of five six weeks i don't need to just walk around with you so they they oh I'm just kidding but no i just try to take care of it and and, and manage it as you go you know i don't i don't have places to go but i can well i say that i got a, the places in nebraska being that they're small i go well i can take one off of this one or two off of that one or two off of that one or whatever but south dakota with all the properties i've got and the, the acreage i can go let's just go hunt see what we got and if i've got sense enough to know that if i'm not seeing a lot of birds um then i'm gonna i'm gonna ease up in there i'm not gonna do anything foolish and take too many just because i don't feel somebody's tag 
they're going to get an opportunity. Or they, somebody comes to Huntsville Day, they're going to get an opportunity. Then they can come back on me the next year. I don't care. I'm not going. I don't want anybody to have to eat that. But then if you get an opportunity and blow it, I've done all I can do. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm all out of questions. You got anything, Andy? Come on, I guys. do. You know, I'm I'm working on one of your books. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting here thinking that there there might be a listener or two that would want a book from you and want to know how to get that. So can you share how to get a book from you? Yeah, you can email me through my email address is Miriams, like the turkey, M-E-R-R-I-A-M-S, underscore 2000 at yahoo.com. Or you can look me up on Facebook. If you do that, tell me you want a book. I'll give you all the info you need, give you price, shipping, everything, and uh, I'll get you one out. I'll be glad to do it. So you st- you did that that book? I told you when you bought that when I gave you that book, it you would it would help you sleep. And is it is it worked out? I gotta tell you, so it really has messed up my sleep because I I find myself waking up about three o'clock in the morning in a cold sweat <laughs> with a gun in my hand and thinking, <laughs> yep, dreaming about Sergeant Pepper. So oh, that's a good one. <laughs> you know, it, it's, I, I will say this, and I will never name names. If somebody writes a book about turkey hunting or trapping chipmunks, <laughs> that is quite an accomplishment. And so sure. I'm, I'm not going to say, not going to say names, but as far as books that I open up, even, even about a topic as passionate as I am about turkeys. Mm-hmm. I open up a book and I start reading it. And before I realize what's happened, I've read 20 pages. Yeah. And it seems like it's been five minutes <laughs> and it, and it's not, it's been, you know, 15 minutes or 20 minutes, however long that to me just speaks volumes. And so that's what I found with, with compositions of a sickness. It is, very easy to read and it's very much like the conversation we've just had for the past hour you know it just it flows easily and i'm enjoying it i'm i think right at about halfway through now i started it let's see i was finishing a book when i got that one from you at unicoi and then i think the week before turkey season started i started the book well when turkey season started the book gets put down i'm you know I, yeah. i'm just fortunate to get every minute of sleep i can get when i get it so i'm not worried about reading to put myself to sleep or reading <laughs> to to enjoy turkeys or anything like that because i got to think about it you know every waking hour for the next 60 to 90 days but right so i picked the book back up i don't know a couple of weeks ago and you know it, it's nothing to breeze through like i said 10 or 20 pages in a night before I decide it's time for me to go to bed and I, it has not put me to sleep yet. So that's, that's good. I, I appreciate everything you said about it. And yeah. When I wrote that book, you know, I've told you before, I didn't, I didn't consider myself a very good writer. I was just telling stories. I, I didn't really know how to go about it. I just did it for family and friends and it turned out to be much bigger than that. But it's entirely, I say entirely, it's a lot different than how I write now because I 
figured some things out. I was taught some things by some good people, and it's helped me a lot to you know, get off my butt and, and do some, some more. But I just feel like that book, and I'm, you know, I still, I, in fact, I got to work some right now. It's, it kind of comes and goes, you know. I'll, I'll go through it, and I'll have 35 sitting over there on the shelf, and, and it seems like time gets away from you. The next time you look, you got two. Dang, I didn't know I was getting that low, so... I'm glad that it's been a good read for some people, and I'm glad you enjoyed it. I appreciate the kudos on it. I've, I enjoyed it. There's a lot of memories in that for me. I'll second what Andy said. It's a great book. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've really enjoyed it. So, yeah, keep it up. Oh, I will. I will. Keep it up. It's good really man. about the time of year when I start throwing articles together. And, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a blessing to be able to do that. But there's times when I think, I mean, sometimes I just want to sit and write a book, do it, do it my way, and do it at my pace, and all sort of chasing a deadline or coming up with new material. And but, but I still enjoy both, so I'll keep doing it as long as I'm able to come up with something fresh. You know, books are different. You can you can write about anything and everything in those, and if you're your own editor, then you can you can really do it like you want to. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, very well, good. Thank you yeah. for spending time with us, DJ. That was that was a fun talk. I appreciate it. Oh. Always is. You guys enjoyed it and uh, look forward to seeing y'all down the road soon. And it won't be long, you know. We're halfway through the year already, believe it or not. Next thing you know, we'll be bumping into each other at a show or something. Love talking to y'all anytime. Yeah. Absolutely. We, en- we enjoy it. Yeah. Appreciate your, your time. And, you know, I hope to see you sometime soon. And good luck sure. with the recovery. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Thank y'all again for having me. All right, buddy. Thank you. Bye. That, well, yeah, I I don't know. The more that I think about it and the more of his book that I read, I just, and the more I listen to him talk, I just think shooting a Miriam's turkey in the plains would be really cool. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. I think I could get down with that and wouldn't, it definitely wouldn't hurt my feelings to shoot a Miriam's turkey in the plains. I mean, it, yeah. If I could go right now, I would. You know? <laughs> but, but I don't think they, you know, especially with the draw system and everything, I'm not sure they'd let me do that unless I kicked it up on the side of the road. You know, then it may, may be illegal according to their laws. But well, that was interesting. You should do like the buffoon in Florida who got busted recently for oh, poaching gosh. turkeys did and just go out and whack some turkeys this time of year in the plains, in the prairie. And posted all over social media. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, that guy massively messed up. He he killed a lot of turkey, and very few of them, I think, were legal. If any, you know, but. I mean, so you guys need to go read that if you haven't seen it. But just go to Google again and type in Florida Fish and Wildlife Nabs Turkey Poacher. Yep. And read the story. I mean, the brazenness or if you want to call it stupidity of this person, it's just mind-boggling. Yeah, and I mean, it basically was public outcries what got him finally, right? Like, these, yeah. the people were like, hey, why don't y'all go get this guy? Like, he's obviously poaching ridiculous amounts of turkeys. Yeah, crazy. That is crazy. So uh, you could go and do that out in the prairie. You know, this would be the time of year to do it. Yeah. Maybe go up there and stomp out some poles. Yeah, they were, I'm reading that article now, they were killing 15 to 20 turkeys, five a day usually. Oh, the good part is, 
he's numbered his kills on social media. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Was he? He's one of these cats that puts like little tally marks on the hat or, or whatever, you know. Number five for the day. Number five today. <laughs> no, my twentieth Osceola this year. That's right. It's been a fun nobody, morning. Nobody will ever catch me. <laughs> He's got five Osceolas laid out in one picture. Oh my gosh. Man, That's unbelievable. I, I just Yeah, he's kicked back, got the cigar lit, been a fine morning. Got yep. twenty Osceolas hanging by the neck behind him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Him and his what, eight or ten year old son? Yeah, his ten year old boy's got another five strung up behind him. He's also smoking a cigar at ten. Why wouldn't he be? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, yeah, that's pretty uh, crazy. Yeah, that's pretty we, crazy. But we got off track on that. But it's always. just, it's just, I mean, it's mind blowing. You know, most people, if they're going to consciously break the law, they're going to be pretty discreet about it. Yeah, numbering your kills on social media. If you're an outlaw listening to this show, screw you. First of all, number two, if you yeah. don't want to get caught, hey, maybe don't number the kills on social media. That's or pretty. Do. Please do. Yeah, please do. There you, you go. Know, going from a point of, I hope you get caught. Please do. Man. Anyway. All right. That's crazy. Well, We've already we, covered the favor of the week. Yep. So. We've I given think, two reading assignments. Yes. That That is impressive. That's yeah. new. Well, three, really. You need to get DJ's Compositions of a Sickness. Yeah, great book. And get in touch with him. He told you how to reach him. He'll autograph the book for you and send it to you. So there's three reading assignments. Yes. All right. What do now, you think? I think we should wrap it on up. Hopefully okay. see you guys in two weeks. We'll have another good one for you. Yes, indeed. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.